Warning, this podcast has been rated T because it's terrible. This is two friends talking, often forgetting the recording, going into diatribes about very sensitive topics, including, but not limited to, violence, including sexual and self-harm, drug use, and almost anything else, all handled in a way that if my mother-in-law were to hear it, I'd be embarrassed, but not ashamed. Welcome to Join My Cult. Uh, I am your host, Redstone, and this episode should drop right at the end of uh, March 2021, but what you're about to listen to is a conversation from um, late summer of 2019 with uh, between myself and my good friend, Ron. Um... I, eh, I'm just going to go ahead and start it. Um, yeah. Going. Okay. Yeah, I was just having some mic issues earlier, so glad those are resolved. Woohoo. With whom were you having mic issues with? Uh, with my mom, for some weird reason. Like, we started our weekly Skype call, and then, uh... Like thirty seconds into it, my the audio just like cut out on my end, and it would only work if we either plugged in my headset or our snowball that we have. So, do not understand what was happening there. Hmm. Sounds annoying. Yeah, wasn't too bad. Um, what's going on with your lenders? Uh, so I have auto pay set up uh-huh. for you know student loan and. I keep trying to move the date, but no matter when the date is for the month when it gets paid, I get like constant notices. By the way, you're past due, you're past due, you're past due. I'm like, but I set up auto pay for the day it becomes due. Right. And there, I don't understand what the problem is and I've called them and all sorts of shit. And they're just like, I don't know. It's uh, the computer. Sorry. You get an email every single day, at least saying (laughs) you're past due. I'm like, I feel like this is harassment. I feel like this is, like, I, I've paid you the money I owe you. Yeah. Stop. Like, you're 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 on the side where you get to decide when I pay you. Like, I've given you that option, and, and yet you still harass me. So, it's just annoying. That's good. So. You always want to start a podcast off a little bit annoyed. <laughs> I actually spent, like, an hour meditating earlier, and then it was right before, and I've got my notes all set up, and I was all happy, and then I'm just like, oh, what do I have? Oh, fucking emails. <laughs> just, just, just like, why Why are there ten emails from Great Lakes? Why are there ten? So. So speaking of being uh, pissed off to begin, uh, do we want to start this thing? Yeah, whenever, whenever you're ready. Red Alrighty. stone. <laughs> so it just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yep. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Join My Cult. Uh, I am your host, 
Redstone. I'm here with my forever guest, Rom. Yeah, there's a, and, there's a uh, long pause before my introduction there. I'm actually going to come in also at a normal volume to people. So in case you were deafened by Red's introduction, I'm here to just soothe you back down. Hey, this is the normal volume level, Inside Voices. I'm sorry if this seems... I, I actually have the mic on my end, like, turned down for recording. That's smart. Yeah, you've obviously... Yeah, you have just enough self-awareness to be dangerous. <laughs> uh, so earlier we were talking about frustration. Um, I'd like to open this episode up just to talk... To come back to our recurring theme that the world is fucked. Um, <laughs> the... So uh, some of the stuff we've been talking uh, off the podcast is uh, the Cambridge Analytica Facebook hack thing that influenced the 2016 election. Hold, hold on, hold the... on. What, what what do we do on this podcast, Red? What 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 do we what what, is, what happens? Who are we? What okay, defines so us? On... <laughs> I'm assuming by episode three, these people have stopped listening completely, or have somehow gotten the 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 gist that I am your uh, I am your scientific savior. I'm your manufactured messiah. I am here to lead you out of the darkness and into the light. Just me specifically? Uh, everybody, but I'm starting with you. Okay. And we're recording these conversations as proof that it can work, even though it probably won't. I'm assuming that, like, like our new, there's, like, two people a week that just, like, sift through all those new podcasts, and they're like, I'll give this one a listen. And so, like, we want to make sure for those people that they feel equally confused, frustrated, and impotent as anyone else who listens. So I, I feel like that introduction is going to just be really important. So yeah, so on the podcast, uh, the the main premise is the world is pretty well fucked, and we should do something about it. What that is, uh, it's still in progress. Part of the first step is to uh, convince one of my best friends that he should follow me as a complete automaton and relinquish all. Oh no, wait, no wait, that's not it. It was uh, find your own peace and happiness yeah you know not so much relinquish your soul and brain capacity unto me but chase some bliss I, it was a real hard pivot on that pitch kind of midway through <laughs> that was that was the joke uh yeah uh i i'm i'm generally less spiritual about things and uh I, I don't know i don't know which one of us is more cynical i think both of us this is kind of interesting i think both of us can shock the other person with how cynical we are which is really interesting like because i mm -hmm. i'm like i like i like joking i like making yuck -em ups and everything and every once in a while like i'll say something and people around me will be like uh are you okay <laughs> and uh, oh and uh we'll cut that <laughs> yeah and uh and editing and red is one of those people so uh yeah that's a that's a special thing we have and then yeah red of course just all the time says things like that I like my eyes just pop out and I'm like, oh well, I think some of those people, you know, don't have to be put in wood chippers and you're like, nope, all of them wood chippers now. <laughs> I um oh. I spent some time recently with a family member of mine who um uh lives in a city and he was describing his frustration at just like the unceasing problem of the accumulation of homelessness uh, uh in his city. And he's like 
I've been in the city for so long. I used to feel compassion for these people. I no longer do. They should all die. Just like they're all death, like drug addicts and they bring nothing. They can't, they're beyond redemption. I, I wish they would die. I would, I would actively push them towards death. And I was like, hey, this is a fun lunch we're having. You and me right now. I'm sure enjoying this meatball marinara sandwich that I'm having. Nope, back to homeless people dying. Cool, cool, cool. The sad part is I can really understand that sentiment. I mean, it's, it is hard with our... Uh, the way our civilization is set up, if you're not contributing actively, based... That I mean, even people that are artists that are that are struggling to create things that... that uh, make you feel deeper meaning and connection with each other. We're like, well, yeah, but what did you make that made money, bitch? Like, otherwise, <laughs> fucking, yeah, wood chipper for you. Why, why, why are you not contributing to society in the way I think you absolutely need to? Why are you not a cog in this machine? Well, like, I, like, my family member wasn't coming at this from, like, uh, like, we all need to be part of the, like, capitalist industrial machinery or anything. Like, his thing was just, like, they poop on my front step and steal money for drugs every day and that corrodes the integrity of the city that i love and i was like that's a pretty convincing argument towards like finding some solution towards this just his idea of it being the final solution was like okay i'm just gonna eat my sandwich silently <laughs> but i mean that they, they just play into it they're like you're you're not I mean, I, I understand the impetus here. I mean, I, I work with these people on a daily basis, and a lot of them have severe mental issues. Mm -hmm. uh, the gentleman, I spent 20 minutes last night talking to a guy who was explaining to me how, um, like, the phase of the moon was actually specifically a signal, a secret coded message to him uh, by the aliens which are part of, he, he's on his 33rd uh, incarnation here on Earth. Mm -hmm. And the aliens are part of this. And they're using the phases of the moon to com communicate with him. Even though I, I tried to bring in like, but the phase of the moon is kind of a regular known. He's like, yeah, but it's, it's a secret coded message. That's the whole thing. It's so embedded in the universe. You just will never, only I, who was once, uh, many kings and scientists will ever understand this. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and they're telling you you're about to die, which, I mean, you do have a heart condition. This man wears a vest that is a defibrillating vest. Jesus. So that, yeah, so I'm like, well, it does seem likely you might, I didn't tell him this. It does seem very <laughs> likely he's going to die really soon because, I mean, he does, he says he only gets shocked about every other day. Hey, okay. Did, yeah, that battery's yeah. probably going to last a long time. Oh, I mean, he plugs. He has to plug it in every night. Oh, stuff. So but, he's like a Prius. Yeah. Yes, I mean, literally, I'm heart. talking to him while while he's wearing the vest, and the vest is plugged into the wall. <laughs> like he's charging the thing that keeps him alive, and I'm just like he's explaining to me how it's his 33rd incarnation, and I'm just I'm amazing, and I wonder why you can't hold down a job. There's like a so. black mirror there about like plugging in your vest to like charge up your smartphone, but like it's also if your smartphone dies, you die in the real world. Like we're we're, we're so close to it, I can taste it. Yeah, I mean, like why not have it all Bluetooth enabled and just have it so that a blue screen of death is truly a blue. Screen. <laughs> yeah. The Apple users just get away with it, though. Oh, it's okay. They, <laughs> well, that, they can't game. <laughs> well, 
Well, and everybody who's below the age of, like, 30 just went, I don't know what a blue screen of death means at all. So. That's fine. We already have identified our ages through numerous uh, 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 references and just generally the way we talk and act uh, is both immature and in our 30s. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go with curmudgeonly, but okay, that was the... Oh, yeah. Like, you, me, like, I feel like our circle of friends were all, like, like youngish guys that are like hardcore chasing old age. We're like, no, 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 I want to be there, please. Like, how do I get there quicker? More drugs, more booze. I'm, I'm finding the fast track. <laughs> oh, so one of the things I've been thinking about. So, um, you you asked what we do on this podcast, and the very first <laughs> yeah, ten episode, minutes ago. <laughs> but the very first episode, you're like, oh, so we do we do reviews now with shit. I'm like. I've decided that maybe it is a good idea to uh, every podcast have one element of media of some kind of like either a book or because we've talked about specific things like the YouTube series, the alt-rights playbook. Mm-hmm. And so I figured I bring in at least something every episode of like, hey, here's something I enjoyed and has given me deeper insight. You can consume this if you'd like. And so uh, one of the things that I mentioned to you after the depressing fucking shit on the news about the basic takeover of the 2016 election uh, and the fact that the FCC just approved a test, a, I'm quote unquote uh, test situation where they're floating balloons over four states and monitoring all car movement, you know, just... You know, just as a test, because we're going to probably do it on the border to make sure, you know, drug dealers aren't coming across. There's no way we're going to use this over the entire United States and just fucking monitor everyone and everything. Because we don't do that, right? So, um, in order to alleviate that downer, I I suggested to you the Anthropocene uh, Reviewed by John Green. Did you end up listening to that episode on Tetris and the seed potatoes of Leningrad? I didn't. Uh, I ended up going to a dog birthday party yesterday instead, and it was pretty fun, although the dining options were limited to uh, cheese pizza and cupcakes. Dog food. So (laughs) I wish, because that would not have given me as much intestinal distress as I have suffered in the last 12 hours. So so wait. Was it the cupcakes, too, or is it just the cheese pizza? It was the combination of, like, heavy dairy and then just, like, sugar being plowed directly into my arteries. That just, like, my tum-tum was like, you you are the toilet now. You are the toilet. You have become one. <laughs> Speaking of getting old. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, no, I, I, I saw that you'd sent me a, a, a podcast recommendation. I had I had failed to listen to it. Uh, but that's okay. Failure is a very common element in our friendship, mostly on my side. So, Red, what what was what was this podcast all about? So, I highly recommend this uh, podcast. Generally speaking, um, John Green, who's the author of *The Fault in Our Stars* and probably some other books that I just can't remember the names of, um, he takes two different topics in the Anthropocene. Which he calls it the human-centered planet. And he reviews them on a five-star scale. Uh, It's really hard to describe this well 
Sounds like perfect podcast material then. I mean, John, John Green is a great writer and he shares. Um, so he takes something like Tetris and goes through the history of how it was created by a guy in Russia under the Soviet Union and some of his own personal history. This is all in 10 minutes. And in the uh, his love of the game Tetris and how it is a a distraction. And so I'm going to I actually just wrote down some of the end of this to see if it re- I was curious to see if this resonated with you at all. OK, yeah, shoot. Um, but he says so he just kind of digresses right at the end. He said um, there's an omnipresent pain inside of I'm just going to like I, I wrote down the quote, but I'm going to change the eyes to him. And an omnipresent pain is always inside of him, a constant and gnawing pain that he's always trying to distract himself from feeling. Generally, a kind of background anguish that only occasionally gets bad enough to take over his life. But also... Oh, but it's also never not there. The pain of meaninglessness. The fear that his vast interior life will die with him. And that his brief, miraculous flicker of consciousness will not have been for anything. Uh, there is a terrifying depravity to meaninglessness because it calls into question if he should even bother. So sorry, you said we were done with the downers? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, so he, his thing was um, that Tetris is a great distraction from that pain. So the question, yeah. so he was like, I don't know if this is just me that, that experiences existential pain, but this is how I deal with it on occasion. Does that does that description sound at all like something you feel, or are you just like, nah, I'm all good? Yeah, I mean, I I think I feel that way from time to time. Um, I I undoubtedly think part of the reason that I still drink and am open to doing drugs when they are around um, is kind of that, uh, you know, I don't believe in anything. I'm not a spiritual person at all. I think that the power. Uh, of death is what makes life special and sometimes that the meaninglessness of it all yeah like that can be a bit much on any given day and you know it's tough to be in your thoughts in your head right we talked about that so much last episode so i totally get that feeling of escapism i am a huge escaper like whether it's reading or video games or hanging out with friends like yeah, like I don't, I don't, you know, know where to draw that distinction between like, oh, this is something that I'm doing that betters me intellectually, and it's like, nope, that's escapism. Like, is could you be derivative and just say anything that isn't sitting down and like doing work for money to produce something is escape? Like, I don't, I don't know where that line is. Yeah, so uh, it's it's interesting. So to, to to jump back onto that podcast episode, he uh, Green talks about there are times for engagement with this pain. And there are times for distraction. You can't constantly be like, yeah, I'm just going to, my whole life is all about the betterment of everyone else and myself and I, and I do nothing. But I think relaxation, distraction, uh, re- recreation, the recreating of yourself yeah. is incredibly important. Totally. And should never be discounted as, eh, I, because a lot of people do that. They're like, eh, it's just worthless. You're just sitting around doing nothing. And thanks, I, Mom. I personally think it's what was that? I said thanks, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I, I think it's it's something that we sometimes fight against, but it's it is an important aspect of being a human being. Sure. I so I think 
um, like, so a bit of context on me, like, so I think I thought I was like hot shit when I was in high school. I like legit thought I was like one of the smartest people on the planet, like hundred percent. And then like, I was convinced like, oh, I'm one of the smartest people on the planet, but like, I just got to be on this test because like, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't trying that hard. And then like, it was right around like sophomore year into junior year that I realized like, oh no, there are people that are a lot smarter than me, like in my high school, like in my grade, like, like right around me at all times. Like I am not special. Like, and so I was like, oh, that means I have to work really hard. And so I just like worked really hard for like, I don't know, like a decade or something and was just Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to try super hard so I can like keep up with all these like crazy smart people that are smarter than me, just like naturally or whatever. And then after like a decade, I was like, man, I'm tired. (laughs) These people, these people are so smart. I got to work so hard. And I like backed off that, that gas pedal a little bit. And it was when I did that, that like the existential, like whatever's kind of came back to me. Like, I don't lose a lot of sleep over that kind of stuff. But like for those 10 years of like hardworking bliss, I think that I legitimately was in this like kind of like fugue state of like, yeah, man, everything's good. You just work towards a goal and then you never get that goal and you're happy because you're working towards, I was like Dave Mustaine in the eighties and just like making some amazing heavy metal, never going to be Metallica, but like somehow I'm better than Metallica until like 91 or whatever. And then he till becomes like a crazy xenophobic, xenophobic bigot. That's okay. It's not okay. He's a terrible person now, I think. Um, so yeah, like, and then when I when I kind of backed off and I started focusing on me a little bit more, because after working really, really hard for a decade, I think it had kind of taken its toll on me as just like a person. I was like, oh, once I like spend a little bit more time with myself, like that's hard sometimes. Like it's really good. And I'm glad I'm doing it. But not having that kind of like spiritual fallback of like, oh, yeah, there's going to be reincarnation. So like, whatever, like I'll I'll catch I'll figure it out in the next one or like, oh, no, like me and Jesus are just going to catch up and just like have a bunch of Coronas like on the beach for eternity. Like, I don't like don't believe in any of that stuff. And so, yeah, like I I definitely do have those moments of like, oh, like nothing means anything. So I guess I'm going to sleep in for another hour today. (laughs) Like. That that being said, I know um, I have some dear friends that have dealt with depression, um, and I think that what I have experienced in my personal life is nothing close to what other people have dealt with. Uh, I consider myself incredibly fortunate in that capacity. I've been sad at various times in my lives and had like little blips of like existential crisis, but like nothing compared to what I understand depression to be like. So I, I, I I'm, I'm very honest with that kind of caveat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, it, so here's the weird part is I've been reading a lot of philosophy recently, and and one of the things what you just described to a certain point sounds a lot like um, Camus' absurdism. I don't know if you're are you familiar with that at all. It's pronounced chemo, and no, I haven't had it yet. Because <laughs> he talks in in his book the the myth of Sisyphus, which I. I know you know the the actual myth of Sisyphus. They do. Syphilis is real, man. People got it and died from it. <laughs> they they keep dying from that boulder rolling back on top of them. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and he just keeps pushing it back up again. They're like, you are wanted in literally every state that is around this mountain. And he's like, catch me. What are you going to yeah, do? I don't... You didn't require a permit for this boulder, bitch. Like, that'd be amazing if someone's job was to, like, arrest 
Sisyphus because it's his job to forever be pushing that that boulder up a hill. But what if he's physically restrained from doing it? Is he like like does he develop super strength? Is he compelled to like that's an amazing idea for like like what if there was a guy pushing boulders up a mountain and he killed somebody and so they arrested him and he just becomes like this like Jason or Freddy type maniac to go on a killing spree to get back to the point where he can push boulders up this mountain again? Like that is that is like and he's like perfectly rational while he's like pushing the boulder and everything but like the further and further he gets from that goal he just like the madness sets in ah we need to write this the gods have demanded it i must do it yeah dude just like he goes zeus crazy like i love it damn so so in the myth of sisyphus Mm -hmm. uh the the end the the end thing that 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 camus comes up with is that the work itself needs to be enough that we imagine the quote is we one must imagine sisyphus happy rolling this boulder up the hill every fucking time to have it roll back down Mm -hmm. otherwise because his the the problem with absurdism the main question of absurdism is if there's no god and there's no meaning to life why don't you kill yourself i mean literally that is like what the question of suicide if if uh, especially since it seems like at this point a lot of the philosophers don't seem to take into account this negative bias we have where we're always our brains are have evolved to look at the negative and focus on that to get rid of that by, by ours so, you mean you're in mine right <laughs> no i mean humanity i mean it's it is definitely a uh known it's one of the biases we have just ingrained in us as as a species we don't we're really good at looking at all the negative. Hmm. We're not good at sitting around and enjoying things for very long. A lot of studies have shown that it takes about nine to one, nine times praise to one time getting criticized to balance that out emotionally. We're just, we're shitty. We're just like, you said something bad about me. I'm going to focus on that forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just have a negative bias. And so a lot of people, they go, wow, the world the world is shit. There's nothing I can do about it. Maybe I should just kill myself. And that is... Uh, it's tough to argue totally against. For me... Mainly, it, if... Go ahead. For me, it never goes to the extent of, like... And again, I think this goes back to the idea that I've never been, like, capital D depressed, or I don't suffer from depression. Because mm. to me, my my existential, you know, ennui goes so far as to, like... I'm going to sleep in a little bit or like this job that I'm doing, I'm going to do like a B minus performance on it. <laughs> like it, it's, it's that. And like, that feels like enough of a victory that like, all right, I got a little bit of me time back that I got to dick off with. And it helps fortify me going forward. Um, yeah. I can understand a philosopher. Like, I don't know. Philosophy to me is so funny. Cause people are just like people. Philosophers are like, they construct this like logical argument that ends at this like crazy place of like, guess we should all kill ourselves. And I'm like, whoa, philosopher, like you can just like go to the beach for a week, man, or like quit your job. Like the, the solutions for me tend to be a, like I, I'm, I do a really bad job about thinking about like how people think. And it just turns like my, my immediately thought is like, I feel bad. What action can I do right now that's going to make me feel better? And that's probably all that I need right now. And that's why I'm a terrible philosopher. But it sounds like you have a much easier time getting through life than some of these people that just dwell on these 
subjects. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about previously, like, the things that keep me up n at night are usually like dairy and sugar based. Like my my thoughts about like the future and where things are going and that kind of thing. Like I either feel like a it's all out of my hands because I don't have enough money or power to shape anything. Or two, it probably won't matter because so much of life is just a chaotic flux anyway. So like between those two things, it's like, oh, well, the things I do have control over are like when I go to bed at night and like how much kale I'm going to eat. Like, oh, OK, like I can play around with those ratios a little bit. But as far as like if the stock market is going to crash, like I don't have any control over that. Like I can control how much I put into it. But like. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to live your life. I mean, you're, you're, you've got a balance. You're looking at what is it you have the ability to affect and just affect that and just letting things go that are completely out of your control. That's, that's probably the best way to live your life. I am super good at letting go of control. You've seen that numerous times. <laughs> Which actually, so I, I did want to ask, so you said about a decade of working your ass off, you decided to pull back a bit. So that timeline wise, was this in the middle of grad school or when, where was that? I'm just curious where you felt like your life, you finally had to take a break. Yeah, probably, probably mid grad school sometime. Like when, when you and I were going to, to college together in California, um, I was in peak work my ass off mode. Very true. Uh, um, and I got a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment out of that. And I think that that knowledge that I gained in that time fortified me for a long time. But um, it's tough. I think, you know, I, I don't have it in me to keep working 70 hour weeks for the rest of my life. Like, I, I, I don't want to set that precedent for myself. I think I would have been more than capable of doing that. And my profession that I chose certainly would have loved it if I did that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, ultimately, like, after a decade that wasn't fulfilling anymore, which is kind of reasonable. Like, I can't think of very many things that a human does for like a seventh to a tenth of their life. And then they say, like, guess I'll just keep doing that. Like, we want to try new things and explore. That sounds really weird. I am, like, pretty strict monogamist. Like, that is, like, the cutoff for me. Like, relationships, I really like just sticking with those. But, like, I like playing with new things and experimenting. And, like, you know, I'm going to try kayaking for the next few years. And, like, oh, now I'm going to try boogie boarding or whatever it is. Like, that type of variety is is important. And I think... Yeah, like, oh, okay, I did the 10 years where I worked my ass off, and that felt really good, and sometimes it still feels good when I do that. I still operate at, like, a pretty high level. I'm not, like, a total sleazeball or anything <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> just for a little bit more clarity, this is, I might edit this part out. I'm just curious. So do you think it happened shortly after your qualifying exam? Oh, okay, so what Red is referring to here is the... There's a qualifying exam in graduate school that you take that is pretty brutal. Um, it's like a three-day long exam. The exams are usually between like four and seven hours each day, and they test like every subject in the hard science that I was going into. And I failed it the first time, and I passed it the second time. Uh, it actually wasn't that red. It was a little bit later. It was when I was like working on my PhD thesis. Um, and I don't know, I just kept going in. I kept working 70-hour weeks, and I was like, oh, I'm like getting a lot out of this, but 
just feeling less coming back to me, right? Like the, the kind of ripples of satisfaction that I was like emanating were no longer rebounding off the walls of life and hitting me at like an equal magnitude. Like there was a, there was a strong dampening effect <laughs> on the waves of happiness that I was producing. So I was like, Oh, I just need to like try something a little different. Also, I looked at how much money I was making in grad school and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? You know, like it would, when, when you when you look at when you look at your paycheck, you realize how many hours you're putting in. And you're like, if I worked at Burger King this many hours, I would make more money. Yeah, that that was a huge That's trigger. Actually, I found out about a lot of the people that I'd gone to college with, like what professions they were doing and like how much money they were making. And I was like, this sounds kind of fucked up, but like I'm as smart as these people, like if not more so. Like, how am I making this? incomprehensibly small amount of money to do this truly righteous thing like like i was in cancer research like how am i in cancer research putting in 60 to 70 hours a week contributing to the scientific field and making twenty three thousand dollars a year like that seems bonkers and so yeah like eventually that that hit my work ethic a little bit like i loved doing that work but i didn't love making less than minimum wage for it yeah yeah we we do that a lot with this is one of my biggest issues is uh, when you look around the world, all the things that we need to be doing, like as a society, as a planet, like maybe not destroying the whole ecosystem <laughs> of which we are a part of. Like maybe we should not do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, or maybe we should and it'll kill us off and the whole ecosystem will fix itself by ridding itself of the cancer of which humanity is. Or, I don't know, I'd just really like if we could just like live with it as opposed to thinking we need to dominate it. But it, it yeah, we do these things where it's like we see the, there's a large homeless population that just keeps growing because, I don't know, it's maybe like the, the rich own everything and just keep squeezing more and more money out of us and more work and we just, they own us and it's depressing. Yep. And it's sad. Yep. It's a bummer. So it's like, well, maybe if we just changed our priorities over instead of profit needing to be the number one thing, if we're like, hey, if you do a job that's worthwhile to the rest of us, let's take care of you for your basic needs like housing and food. You know, this, you know, the basic shit that you don't have the ability to make yourself anymore because the rest of the world owns. When you come into this world with nothing. You really hope your parents have something to give you and help you with. But you come into this world with... You're naked. You have no ability to speak. <laughs> you know, you can't even use a toilet properly. You can <laughs> shit yourself. I, I mean... This is tangentially related. Uh, so again, I was I was hanging out with some people this last week. And one of them brought up this idea that we're not born with any rights. Like, rights are a human construct, right? Like life liberty and the pursuit of happiness like that's that's hot garbage really like there's nothing in nature that gives us those things like we think that we should have them we have some documents that say like that might be a pretty nice thing to do and it would be a dick move to take them away but like at the end of the day like like there is nothing to enforce those beyond governmental apparatuses um and so this idea that like you know hey wouldn't it be cool if like businesses took care of their employees better um, I will say that my boss that I had in grad school was excellent to me. She never mandated that I work 
60 or 70 hour weeks. I did that willingly because I thought it would make me a better person and it would get me further and it would be more, uh, it would produce more. And most of those assumptions were right. And like every year she gave me a raise without me asking of like the maximum amount that was like allowed at the institution without even conversation. Is in grad school? Yeah. You know, 5% on 23 is, all, it's a big number. I mean, it's still something, damn. It was. And so it's like, you know, like I'm not saying everyone in that, you know, uh, everyone controlling the strings of power was corrupt or whatever. Um, but it was, it, it, it was eye-opening enough for me to say like, there's nothing, there's n- nobody in this profession is going to make people look at me and say, pay this man more because he's working. Like the, 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 the economics of it was there was a lot of people willing to go into that field that I was working in. So there was a high, uh, high supply and a relatively low demand. So they could, pay the workforce whatever the fuck they wanted and so i was like why do why would i want to keep being in this field that has a glut of talent and i just have to work harder and get paid less in order to keep up with like that seems like the true stupid thing to me like why not just go sell my soul and work maybe not for like wall street or something maybe not sell my soul like why not just compromise and like go work at a bank or be an accountant or something and make like crazy comfortable living work a hard 40 and then, like, be able to buy a vacation house somewhere in the Adirondacks. Like, like that was like the that was that was the intellectual after ten years of working hard. When I saw like, oh, like, I kind of had that like, this is not my beautiful house. Like, <laughs> like moment of just like, there are some things about my life after ten years that I really cherish and I really appreciate. But like, certainly in terms of finances, which like, I don't know, you have to be in your late twenties, early thirties, and you start looking thirty or forty years down the road. I was like this is not sustainable. I can't, I can't continue doing this thing. This cancer research, which I think is pretty chill is not what's going to enable me to live a long and full life. And I don't want to end up like numerous engineers, scientists, mathematicians have in their creative people, artists, uh, you know, dead in a ditch because they couldn't finance their lives properly. Like, "Mm, not super into that. Thanks. Sorry, Boltzmann. So it's it's interesting because you you said a phrase that I would disagree with, but I would say our current system. So you said the only way to enforce the rights of which we've decided we have is the government, because businesses aren't going to take care of you. Like they're they, they're profit driven, yada yada yada. Yeah. But I do. I think it's our society in general can we enforce a lot of things that. Um, which we use the government as a tool for that. But generally speaking, most people walk around with clothes on, um, <laughs> mainly because societally we no. I'm just saying like, they, these are, there's so many things of which we, we, we take for granted that societal pressure takes care of this. We don't need a government going you. I mean, to be honest, I, I think generally speaking, we don't need a law that's a like, Murdering is bad isn't something we need a law about for most people not to murder. We have a law about it because some people don't fit society and we're like, well, we need to have repercussions. And so we, we've decided to make this. But I don't think that, that there's a law against murder is keeping most people from murdering. Yeah, I think like I, I, I murder and rape as much as I want to, which is none. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a moral person. It's not that there are laws, which there are sociopaths 
that don't have that, that, that do say, oh shit, there are consequences. And there are studies that show that they do need to be. The punishment helps. I, I understand your specification. I think we're just talking about semantics, really. Because to me, government is the tool that enforces society's will. So to me, not a philosophical person, the real power there is the government, right? Like, it is it is the mechanism by which things are done. Thus, that is where the true power lies. But like, you're right. Society is what drives that. So technically, it's society that's doing it. I, I think it's the same thing. I, I guess my problem is that I feel like the government... My... So much of my life uh, feelings, the, m so much of my motivations are wrapped up in, uh, can be described in the first stanza of No Surprises by Radiohead. Go on. A heart that's full up like a landfill, a job that slowly kills you, bruises that won't heal, you look tired and unhappy, bring down the government, they don't speak for us. Like, they don't. It's... it's That's full of like a landfill, a job that slowly kills you, bruises that won't heal. You look so tired and happy, bring down the government, cause they don't. They don't speak for us. Hi, this is uh, the 2021 Redstone. Um, I was trying to edit this episode because it goes it goes off the rails, and I've tracked it down to this moment. Uh, so right here, when I quote Radiohead, and then go on a rant about the government, and then we'll later go on to a whole thing about what God is that is quite frankly boring and pedestrian um, all I can do is apologize um, I felt the first two conversations I don't know uh, they, I, I felt the pressure of, of the third conversation and had decided to imbibe I was smoking a joint throughout this episode uh, this is when it starts kicking in this is when uh, the conversation goes off the rails um, I'm not going to edit anything out uh, I just think that this might be a great time uh, to maybe think about taking a break um, maybe just stopping. I, 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 I'm not saying you, you, you should or have to whatsoever. It's just a stoned rambling, and I have to apologize 
to Rom about this. Um, I'm beginning to understand um, some things. And uh, I'm just now, I'm, I'm editing these in order, and it has been a while, so it has been educational for me uh, on a number of fronts. Uh, and one of them is, I thought the podcasting was going okay while I was stoned, and clearly it goes to crap. Um, I will say I've also learned that just a little bit of being stoned can make playing an instrument really, really fun and improve my playing, but too much and my dexterity just drops off, so... started actually uh, smoking before editing this, which is part of why I'm like, ah, oh, I remember what happened here, as this um, little edit is now going off the rails. So, that gives you a bit for what's in store. So, thank you. Uh, so, again, um, no, there's no one to blame for any of this, except for me. people have always had control over this government and it's only become more and more so and and part of what we talked about so it, another thing for uh, if you have two hours of your life watch the great hack and you get to find out how facebook got hacked by a dod a defense contractor that helped pioneer information warfare and then got hired by a campaign to use that information warfare on American citizens. This wasn't an election. This was a bit of a coup. It was just using untraditional tactics. They, more people voted for not Trump. There was a candidate who got <laughs> way the fuck more votes, and they targeted people in districts that would just sway the election. It's insane. It's insane. So it's not it's not a democracy. It is a plutocracy. Like they 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 own our country. They control what laws happen. Uh, lobbyists write the laws. Fucking Senate and House just rubber stamp the shit. So I I, I think I, I don't think the government speaks for us. Yeah, I think you're you're coming at like an interesting kind of like flaw in my argument because what i'm trying to say is like society wants something government should be the tool by which that is enforced that is how things should work if they are working properly mm -hmm. i think like i hear similar arguments in like supreme court cases that i disagree with like in what is it like um like citizens united or something um yeah. uh like the argument that they made was that like no 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 like corporations like are people because if they weren't people then some really bad stuff could happen and like you hear that and you're like oh okay i guess that sounds right and then you just like like and then corporations shouldn't be able to like push billions into finance but that's like another thing that they're breaking not directly related to citizens united so it's like like if things were working properly yeah that supreme court decision would be just fine but something else is broken so we don't like citizens united like yes like government should be the tool of society but something is broken along the way i don't know if that means that we have to like figure out another way for society to enforce its perception on things so that way it doesn't get overridden by rich powerful people i don't know 
I don't know how you how you bypass that. Maybe that's you know show show me the cult way here. Okay, yeah, let's pivot this. Let's pivot this. All right. So in your cult, how are you going to make sure that the will of society is what drives society and not the will of a few people with a lot of power? Uh, so we destroy the power structure, the hierarchy. So I, I this is this is one of my main problems is the capitalist economic system of which we have is based on it it relies on haves and have nots so we need to have an inherent power structure of, of, of people who have controlled the resources people who control wealth uh it capitalism only really works the way we've been doing it with this this stratified system of if if you're going to be an employer versus an employee and this power structure—it's—it's—it's it, it, a, it's a structure. It's a hierarchy, and we want uh, our our founding documents of at least this country are un, of the impression that people are created equal. They're not created the same, but they're created equal, and that we should have equal amounts of say, and that the the individual. We want to balance the individual's rights with the cohesion of a society. Uh, and and we've definitely just way thrown that out of out of whack. Sure. I'm just like I I'm in like thought experiment land here, right? Like let's yeah. go back to like agriculture has like just been started. And there's like a small town, village probably, where they've got like a little plot of land where they can make corn or wheat or whatever it is. And like there's five people that are all working that field 24-7 to produce crops that can sustain that whole village. And then like one person comes along and manages those five people, and suddenly like crop production goes up 20% or or whatever it does. Like uh the like what am I trying to say here? Like, how how do we enable that one person who organizes everybody else to increase productivity doesn't amass more power or influence than the other five? By equally sharing the profits, by by make uh, that's the thing. So the problem is uh, we we also rely on this concept of money, basically to get rid of cheating in our society. We we. Let's say you have a village. So normally, like we're talking all the way back, yep. uh, pre-agriculture, you've got your hunters, your gatherers, you've got a, when the hunters go out and go get a bison, they don't go, this bison is mine and ours and only, so they, they share. It's a sharing society of which you assume inherently everyone's doing their part. And some people, the sick and elderly, well, they can't. So we just take care of them because it's the right thing to do. Like, it's just, that's what we do is, is anybody who comes in. It, so it comes down to, yes, you come into this world with nothing. What does society owe you as an individual? Cause you didn't ask to get born, but society needs you in order to function. Mm -hmm. Society doesn't work without people. If, if all the people leave a society, the society is just dead. So, um, I think we need to look at what is it society both needs from the individual and what does it owe the individual. And I think it's it's a two-way street. And at this point, we're like, no, no, no. You owe society. Society owes you fucking nothing. You either play in our system or fucking go die. 
get in, get in that fucking wood chipper. I mean, that, that seems, that is, but that's our system. It's like, if you don't participate, starve on the street. Society owes you nothing, nothing. If you're not going to participate in our system, we give you nothing. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that all or nothing is definitely a, a problem. Um, by the way, though, I watched an amazing TED Talk on um, the five foundations of our more so our, our biological foundations of morality, the things that we feel and then affect our decision making. And uh, so, something you mentioned, like you like change, you you want to you want to do kayaking for a while, you want to change jobs, you want new experiences. Yeah, this is apparently. Um, not something so uh, the question of openness to new experiences directly it's very strongly correlated with whether or not you're a liberal or conservative hmm. conservatives dislike change change feels bad to them they very much it it's um the yeah change is just is is an anthem to to their moral foundations they feel change for change's sake is it just feels wrong mm -hmm. and, and a lot of uh so so you said like there is possibly no absolute moral authority there is no um I it's hard to like describe what is right and wrong like we have to we argue about it we come up you come up with this long argument that that leads you to Everyone should kill themselves, or this is why you shouldn't kill yourself. I mean, these weird things, but it comes down to a lot of preferences. And so one of the things this TED Talk was talking about was, um, and they, they, they just basically took a ton of data and then like asked about oral decisions and also your viewpoints on uh, politics and whatnot. And basically they came up with that there's five moral foundations, which is the um, harm versus care, uh, fairness and uh, reciprocity. Mm -hmm. I always can't pronounce it properly. Um, that's number two. There's in-group slash loyalty. There's authority and respect. And then there's purity and sanctity. Liberals focus on the harm and care and fairness and reciprocating mm -hmm. fairness. While conservatives have very they have equal amounts of those first two but they also bring in the loyalty authority and purity while liberals usually think the last three are bullshit like i i honestly think like yeah in group loyalty why should i i should listen to you just because i because you're in charge and most of us go no that's bullshit just because you're why why are you in charge how are you in charge give me some reason justify and yeah, and same thing with yeah, authority, loyalty, and and the idea of restrict apparently restricting yourself, which I think we've all felt this a little bit. Like you can feel good when you're like, oh yeah, no, no, I'm doing, I'm doing the diet, I'm, I'm on it, I'm doing what's right. You feel good about that. In general, liberals don't identify that with that at all very strongly. Like we still feel it, but it's just much lower. Yeah. So the problem being. There, there's a big group of us, there's a large portion of us that are as very into maintaining the status quo as a moral foundation. And uh, 
that's a lot of us have a problem with that. So that it's that it's that tension, that moral tension that actually helps with progress, but maintaining civilization as a cohesive thing. Okay, so like as cult leader, like how how are you squaring that circle? How are you making sure that you're establishing a society that's like people understand that change is what needs to happen or what not needs to happen, depending on the instance? How do you how do you convince everyone that they are sheep, but keep all the free thinkers around? Uh, that that is a tough one. Uh, part of it is right. Like you you, you tell me to follow you blindly, I'm gonna punch you in the mouth. Right? Like no, I mean so that's that's my thing is if you don't want to go with this scheme, I think we need to develop a moral framework of which people can just follow if they want. But honestly, I I think so. Here's another thing is. Uh, this is going to sound super roundabout. Please go ahead. I, I could, you you would also agree that at one point I and I still kind of am a hardcore anti-theist. I'm not a. I wasn't a an atheist. I was against the notion that God exists. We should we should remove this from our society. It's nothing but a negative. Mm-hmm. And then I experienced God. Uh, not that long ago. Uh, it's definitely, I still think, uh, religion as it currently is set up with a dude in the fucking sky that is directing everybody like puppets. I don't believe that's true. But I do think there is a deep connection we have with the rest of the universe that can be felt by anybody that chooses to pursue it. It just happens to be fucking hard <laughs> and a lot of work. But if you're into it, you can do this and... Uh, that's where the free thinking comes in is we, if you want to find out for yourself, what's true, you can do this. There is a long history of people, unfortunately in often involves sitting in front of a blank wall and just staring at it for hours and hours for days, for weeks, for years. And eventually you train your mind to the point where you can actually feel God on a very deep, you, you, so, um, I guess I should really explain what I think God is. Cause I, I feel like I'm saying some weird stuff. Um, so I'm going to run through, uh, an, an, an argument here. Just um, tell me, tell me, tell me what God is to you. That's, that's most interesting. What's, what's God to, add, uh, what's God to Redstone? Everything. And nothing. Uh, um, so. Okay. It's a tough sell. So Go through. on. So, so in, in my view of the universe, um, and from my scientific understanding, uh, there was nothing, and then a f- tiny fluctuation in the vacuum energy created the Big Bang. Suddenly there was a little bit of something in the nothing, and unfortunately a little bit of something in a little tiny space is really fucking dense, and basically makes the universe explode. Like it, it has to, like it just starts, that density has to go down. And it, we get the universe. We get we uh, from just the physical laws of nature, the basic laws of physics, create a universe out of nothing, where the total sum of energy still stays zero. So like, kind of everything happened and nothing happened. So the sum total of everything still zero. Eventually, you get star formation. Um, you, basically, the laws of the universe create 
the conditions of stars. Stars make the second generation of stars and planets. Mm -hmm. Eventually, big rocks form. Pools of water form on some of these rocks. These pool or water or some other liquid, and it's just pools <laughs> of fucking crazy chemical. Because I mean, from supernovas creating all these chemicals uh, from 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 just hydrogen and helium. Uh, you get the right conditions. These chemicals form. Uh, just energetically speaking, they want to. Eventually, you get one that's self-replicating, and it it self-replicates. And there, uh, somewhere in here, you have the abiogenesis, the from not life, unquote, to life, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And um, this whole process, this whole thing, so. So so far you haven't so the, you, you haven't really uh, what you've described to me is the process of like the creation of the universe and then you're kind of zooming in on sp particular instances. Yeah. Because okay. So so then we keep going and so eventually you get more and more comp complicated life, and you get these systems of life needing to interact with itself. Um, you get like an, an ecosystem. You get the these incredibly complicated patterns of of this <sighs> see the, the problem with god is that it's ineffable so i'm going to tell you all of the can't be effed the, <laughs> can't be effed um so so life forms yeah i'm just things rely I, i'm just asking for you right like yeah like no, 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 no need to justify to, yeah yeah no no i'm trying to, it's just hard to explain so in the end you have an incredibly complicated system of life that relies. Okay, so um, there's an argument to be made that individual worker bees or worker ants aren't alive. They, uh, they're often asexual. They, they can't reproduce. So they're, they're just, they're like, well, what? Well, how are they alive if they can't reproduce? If they can't do some of these fundamental things of which we don't have a good definition of what life is. But they rely on the whole hive, on the whole colony to survive. But if you look at the individual cells inside of them, no one would, if you like remove some cells, you'd be like, these cells are alive. But then how is it that the ant isn't... So it's this complicated thing where we... The fact that... A human being, you can't pull a human being out of the universe. There's no way, there's no, like, fish tank you could do. Right, it defines all, everything. Yeah. It's the definition. And so our, yeah, so, um, but we need, we needed the entire universe. The laws of nature basically uh, directed in some general way. Like, evolutionary processes direct things. Mm -hmm. They don't. They're not the puppet master. They're just like, well, yeah, you didn't work, so you're dead. Right. And we, we evolved. But we need every bit of the universe in order for us to exist. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, do you feel that? Does, does it, do, do you feel like you're actually just a collection of cells, which are constantly living and dying and being replaced? No. Or do you feel like, what? No. No. So, and then, so communing with god in the way i mean it 
is the circumstance of which you start feeling that you, you don't just intellectually know it, you feel it emotionally. You, you know that you are um, the self of which you see yourself as is somewhat illusory. Um, you, we see ourselves as fairly permanent creatures. What you say, you, you feel like the same person, although you've changed somewhat, but you still like feel as you are Rom, the same Rom you were yesterday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but we know this isn't true. We know you've, since then you've eaten, you've, I'm assuming you've taken a shit. You, you know, stuff comes in, Pe stuff goes out. Cheese pizza, you know, I have. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, these things, we, we are transitory things. We are patterns that, that, that come up, we arise for a while, mm -hmm. we keep existing, but we do change. We're not, we're not static patterns. And the realization that we are just a collection of atoms uh, that for a time are here and experience the rest of reality. We are the universe waking up and looking at the rest of the universe. We are the way the universe knows itself, to quote Carl Sagan. Feeling that, not just knowing it, but feeling it inside yourself deeply. That is my experience of God, is, is understanding that I am not just... The same way a photon is a little bit of the electromagnetic field like it's it's just it's a it's a particle of it's a wave of that mm -hmm. we are that of the universe we are waves of matter in the universe and it sounds so fucking hokey but it still matches up with our scientific understanding of the universe and you can then feel it and it takes that feeling of meaninglessness and and it evaporates you you feel because life and death stop having clear-cut definitions. I'm, I, I die every moment I'm alive. I am constantly changing. The person that was me five seconds ago died. I am somebody new. I have new experience. I have more experiences than the guy five seconds ago. I have cells came to life. Other cells died. I am not. I, I am a constantly changing river of, of material. So is, is, is God your you know, collection of cells, um, perception of things, or is God the way that you interpret your collection of cells connections with everything else? God is, so there is no everything else is the problem. So I'm seeing it as, well, I, I, I'm, um, I'm trying to limit to, to is like, is, is, is God the feeling of like, I am a collection of cells that is constantly dying and replacing itself like that. Like I forget what philosopher they do the argument of like, you have the ship in the Harbor, you replace the mast. Is it still the same ship? Okay. What about the next year? Replace the deck, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually you've ship got Theseus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so is, is God the ability of that collective you to, you know, remain in connection with the universe or is God your connection with everything else? Like, I, uh, it, that's, that's what I'm no, trying to boil down to. God is the entirety of the universe, okay. including you. You, you are God. I am God. Every it's, the God is such a shitty term for it. 
but it's the only word that I know of that is big enough intellectually, like our, 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 our societal connotations. God is, the idea of God is like a dude in the sky running things is so fucking tiny compared to this, uh, this feeling, this philosophy of the entire universe is God, mm-hmm. is, is, is a living being. It, it created us, it, it produced us, uh, to steal from Alan Watts, uh, the universe peoples, like a, like an apple tree apples, the universe peopled. And here we are. And and so the, the universe, it took all of the universe to make us, to make, and I, I'm sure, I, I doubt that there's, I really want I, mean, to, I have no clue. I really just want to see like a drawing of like the universe, like kind of like looking around its left shoulder, like hand over its mouth, like I just peopled and like big red rosy cheeks. <laughs> It's pretty good. Yeah. So it's, it's the uh, communing with God is the, is the understanding that you are literally just part of the universe. Yeah. Looking at itself. Um, God is everything and everyone that ever has been, ever will be. It's, it's a, yeah, it's an, it's an unexplainable thought because it's, it's so much bigger than, I mean, the description of just the universe as it is right now, cosmologically, is just, I mean, we, we talk about, it's just astronomical, because it's just too big for the human mind yeah. to comprehend. Like, we use that colloquially, it was like, but in reality, we are in a fucking, we're in one one galaxy in a galactic cluster, in a group of, blah, it's just huge. And, and knowing that you are... In, in one point of view, distilled from Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. in a certain point of view, that is true. You are the fucking universe. You are, there is no... Are you stealing from prequel Obi-Wan Kenobi? No, no, no. This is this is when Luke goes, why'd you lie to me? It's it's after... Oh, yeah, from a certain point of yeah, view? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From a... Yes, well, you told me he died. He goes like, well, from a certain point of view, he did. He stopped being that person. Yeah. He died. And it is, it is literally that, that mindset, including the fact that I am the universe. I am a piece of the universe looking at the, everything else is connected to me. I am not separate. I only have seeming biological control over this body. Yet at the same time, we know a bunch of these bodies are affecting the entire planet. I mean, we haven't really seemed to have moved past our planetary fuck ups well i mean i also like <laughs> orbiting so i mean we i mean we've started like putting potentially to future people like we we've been putting rovers on mars and the moon and after a while they die and we just sit there and go well we're not we're not gonna go pick that up yeah it's okay it's it, like, can, it can sing happy birthday to itself it'll be fine <laughs> exactly exactly so we've started we've started putting possible trash out in the universe voyager <laughs> flinging out there we're just like hey and here's a record of us here's some pictures we hope we we hope you use light it plays like a pretty cool things. song i hope you're not a symbiote race that doesn't like music <laughs> exactly exactly so um yeah god is the whole universe uh the processes involved yeah yeah, I, um, I I felt like I pretty much understood it when you said God is the universe. 
I, I guess my, my point is, so, so to get back to how do we fix the problems is by having more people realize they are intimately connected with everyone and everything else. The And to also promote the fact that uh, material wealth, I mean, if you look at, look at somebody like Donald Trump. He claims to be a billionaire. He truly seems to be a very fucking unhappy individual. Rich people in general, the, the more stuff you get, the more you focus on material wealth, the unhappier you seem to get. To a certain point, like, like if, you, if you don't have any food tonight, having a meal, having material wealth, it's definitely a positive in your in your happiness. But after a certain point, this focus on materialism is just a detriment to the individual and to society. So we need to like shift that over. Like, hey, if you focus on make there are we know scientifically ways to make yourself happy that usually include doing something for other people or doing something that you feel is intrinsically worthwhile. And accumulating wealth is not one of those things that ever seems to make people happy. Oh, no, I don't think that's what you're arguing. I think, okay, so if I'm selling this cult now, which I don't like that I'm doing this now, this is your role, is like there's someone in the cult who's like a spiritual slash financial counselor. And you go to this person and you say, Jeanette, I want to know what I should be doing next because I'm feeling unsatisfied. And Jeanette looks at all of your income statements and then she looks at like, you know, how often does the sun touch your face? <laughs> and when was the last time you felt the warm embrace of another human? Right? Like other kind of key things that were like, oh yeah, those do feel good. And 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 Jeanette would be like, okay, well, I ran the numbers in our cult calculator that was divide devised by Redstone, and it says that you should probably increase your annual earnings by about two thousand dollars a year um, in order to feel more secure financially in long-term retirement and maybe eat a little bit better because it sounds like both of those could increase your happiness levels. But what you could also do is buy a cat because it really sounds like you need a connection with something and human connections are tough to make right now. And you also don't seem like you could be trusted with a dog. So that's why I'm recommending a cat. Like, because there are like, like I, I, I have friends still that like are living paycheck to paycheck and that is a shitty life. And I see like the effect that it has on them and like, like I, like I know couples friends that are living paycheck to paycheck and like that shit just adds stress to their relationship. And if they made like 5,000 extra dollars a year, they would be like so much happier. Um, so I don't think that the answer is just saying like, like, no, you always need like something more spiritual. Like not nope, sometimes just having some extra dollaroos in that bank account is, or just like, or J maybe Jeanette says like, uh, you're pissing away money on like these things that like aren't providing you happiness scrap those out and that's how you make your two grand right like i i think that like in the cult having jeanette based on your calculator would be like that that's a sell for me if, if if that's part of the cult cool i think that's very helpful i guess part of it is it would be a more communal like in order for this to actually be a actual cult it would be a group of people that help financially everything is shared uh, you probably have to be a farm, probably in Northern America, like Northern United States of America or Southern Canada, and basically have a farm where people share things. People, it, it this, there are material needs people have that they need food, they need shelter, they need a certain amount of security. 
And this is something that I do think our society, in general, should focus on making sure everyone has. I don't see that we have the resources in utter abundance. There are more empty homes and dwellings in the United States. There are three times more empty homes than there are homeless people. Uh, this, this, is, this is a problem. I don't understand like how we got to this circumstance where we, we have a place for all these people. They could just go, but the rich are hoarding this shit and going, no, you can't pay me enough. You can't. I own all this. Pay me this extra tax just to survive in a way that we all agree we should be doing. And it's just like, no, we just need to redistribute these resources. It's, it's not, it is more, it is unethical f to, for this situation to happen. So we need to just take that shit from them. Uh, you just can't own all this. We're just, we need to share it all as a society. And, and that's my problem. So in, in your cult, are you saying that you would push more towards like a collective where people are able to share their resources together as opposed to like... You know, people can still like have their jobs and be wherever they are and still like be a part of the cult and contribute in some other way or like you're providing the guidance and then they go back to their like dwelling or whatever. So the problem is, is, is that my main vision is for a future society of which the cult will help cultivate and make an actuality. Um, hmm. In the book Dispossessed, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin uh, describes... Um, basically a society in which I would like to live in. Um, it is one that uh, has a far, it doesn't really have an overarching government structure, uh, but it does have, because of the ability of mass communication, uh, group decisions can be made. Uh, it would rely on more scientific consensus for how, generally speaking, we do things and we we distribute resources. So you're, I mean, it, it, you're you're talking about not implementing a cult into how our modern day society is functioning. You are talking about a complete restructuring of society and then a cult that will lead that. Correct. Or a cult, a cult that would make the restructuring happen. Okay. As, I officially know change, where I want to rate myself on the, the cult factor for this week. Okay, cool. I mean, so the, the idea is that, uh, so the, the vision that I've had is climate change is going to really disrupt much of the power structures we have as uh, droughts start making food production a lot harder. The rich are going to eat and the poor are going to starve. Like that's, that's just, we know it's going to happen. The, the wealth gap only has been getting bigger. We've, they, the wealthy have seen to the fact that they keep getting more and more of the pie. Eventually, that's going to have to topple, or we're all just going to die. And I just don't think we're all going to die. I think the power structure is going to fundamentally have to shift. And I think in that the time, this, this scary time coming up, this could be the time of which restructuring society could be possible. So the idea of the cult is to prepare people to have a mindset where that kind of a kind of a better society would be possible and that people just naturally um, go more with it. They, the societal um, societal views are such that that as the power structure collapses, 
the people that were part of that just naturally or are more likely to make better decisions and make a more uh, egalitarian society. That's that's the point of the cult. All right, I've got my <laughs> weekly rating. Would you, so you want to just do it now? I do. How how are you feeling? Are you a one now? As we discussed earlier, I try and live in the now. I try and think about what I have control over. I think that what you are talking about is bold and far looking and um, maybe overreaching what it can do. Uh, I am I'm going to bump down my excitement level for joining your cult to a two. Um, What I what I think would be interesting, maybe we can talk about this next week, is I, you know, if you're selling it to me, um, I would like to see an implementation of the cult that works now and is adaptable moving forward i want to see a living cult i don't want to see something that's like uh, we're setting up something now for how we know it will be later because i i don't know i i i don't know if you're going to be right about later and then what about 50 years from now when people are like nope that's how it was structured to be this is what it's going to be like i I think that starting the cult out with a living adaptability is important Oh, I should have. St- well, we'll do. I think we're going to have to do it next week or next next time we meet. I actually have a list of the the rules, the the guiding tenets that I think should be part of the cult. Yeah. Like it, literally, like these are the things that are are involatable, that that cannot, that that can't. These need to be the core, and the first one is question everything. <laughs> there is. Seek proof. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't want, you know, you got to tease a little no, bit I'm, here, Red. Come oh, on. No, I'm just saying, that's the first one. The first one is, is like literally thinking for yourself to a certain extent is, is a fundamental tenet. You have to be somewhat engaged. Um, basically, the people that are engaged will help out those that are. Hmm. That's interesting that you phrased it as question everything and not be engaged. Well, that is, it's. It's a sub part of it. It is, but I mean that is part. In order to question everything, you have to be engaged. How else can you be engaged if, you, or you're just like, is this a book? Is this a lamp? Is this a cup? That's not what we're saying. We're saying question the the moral arguments that are that are defining your life. Yeah. It, like why is it, it? Why is it you need to go to a job every day and flip burgers? for next to fucking nothing it's question that yeah it's just you know it's it's less leslie nope and more you know uh whoever david Duchovny was in x-files i was confused then he was Mulder. Mulder. Fox Mulder. fox Mulder. that's what it was sorry I, I i'm a big fan of both those shows so um cool i think we might end it there for this episode Oof, heavy uh, we got we got yeah. we got and heavy it, today, and a downward downward for so, yeah, I, I think we will need to talk more about... I guess that's what I was trying to get to with the whole, like, this is... I can help you commune with God and get rid of the pain of existential crises. That also can happen. I think that is a fucking fundamental thing that needs... I think that's just needed by people generally. Yeah, speaking. yeah, we didn't wrap that up. We, we kind of started out on it, and then we kind of sidewound into God. But, uh, I, yeah, I think that that's that's something else we can pick up in the future. Yeah, the god the god topic is is brutal. It's just it's so fret with a minefield of just minefield possible. What was that? Minefield. <laughs> yeah, 
Mine. Minefield, sorry. I don't, minefield. That's what I, you're, yep. we're coining it. There we go. That's how we, yeah, I just, that's how we make our money. It, DM. It's how minefield. It's how we make no money. Uh, that's a, also part of this is the no no money exchanging hands. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, you give but me that's... your left, I'll give you my right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cool. Well, so that's uh, going to be the show for uh, this episode of Join My Cult. I am your host, Redstone, and this is my guest, Rom, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode was recorded by me, uh, Redstone Archender, uh, at an undisclosed location, because... Yeah, and uh, yeah, I did all all the stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>